Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, baby feeding stories from moms plus like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for women plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if you want even more connection, join my free private Facebook group titled More Milk Please for Strong Supportive Mamas at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash more milk please. Also, if you're a breastfeeding mom thinking about breastfeeding or are an underproducer like me, Get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. All right. So... To start, let me share a little bit more about myself and my family. My husband and I met in 2019. My husband's name is Hawkeye, not Hot Guy, although he is very hot, but Hawkeye, like the superhero, the character from MASH or from The Last of the Mohicans. He didn't give himself this name, his parents did. And as he likes to say, he had Berkeley hippie parents. Hawkeye and I, we eloped on May 1st of 2020 due to COVID and the country shutting down. In fact, when everything closed in mid-March, we were literally six weeks away from our big planned wedding date. So instead, when May 1st rolled around, we eloped with 15 of our closest family and friends, and we loved it. We just have such fond memories of our elopement. So grateful. A year later... On our one-year wedding anniversary, we uh, were able to sneak out and do a trip to Kauai, Hawaii. Kauai is like our favorite place. And that is where we conceived our daughter, Luna. (laughs) We're older parents. I was 38 when we got pregnant, and my husband was 43. Before I gave birth, I knew very little about breastfeeding. I hadn't read any books about it. I didn't really read any of the like getting ready for baby books. My husband was the one who really wanted to have a kid. Like having children is has been one of his true life goals. For me, I was afraid. I was afraid of losing traction on my career. I was afraid of losing my individual identity and having my whole world be swept up into motherhood. You know, it's hard with the patriarchy. And let's be honest. I did lose traction in my career, and I lost a significant portion of my individual identity to motherhood. 
But I was also surprised by the creative surge, the creative energy I felt after having my daughter. And when I can pull back from like the moment to moment exhaustion, I do feel like I'm having a whole new life experience, especially with the birth and the breastfeeding journey. It's taught me a freaking lot about myself, both good and challenging. <laughs> anyway, not preparing wasn't the smartest move. Fortunately, fortunately, we did take a few birthing classes together through the hospital um, where we we're going to give birth. And they had like one full session on nursing. We also hired a doula and she talked us through the process of getting a baby to latch. She even like she came over and she showed us with a cabbage patch doll and like this crocheted nipple that she that she had. I was 36 weeks pregnant and she's like teaching me with this crochet nipple and cabbage patch doll. But it was still so abstract. It was just really hard to feel like I was learning anything. So I just kind of hoped it would be simple and natural like I envisioned it was for horses and dogs and cats. But I also knew in the back of my mind that this was wishful thinking. I just didn't know how else to prepare without stealing someone else's baby and giving it a try. Just kidding. Just kidding. The thing I think I was most worried about was the horror stories that I'd heard of nurses at the hospital. Someone told me that they try to like force the baby onto your nipple right away and it's pretty invasive. Of course, I was glad to know that that was a possibility so I could advocate for my rights. But it worried me so much that in our birth plan, I included like instructions about how I wanted to like first start nursing. Um, okay, so to share a little bit about the moment my baby was born, I wanted to have an unmedicated birth. I'm a total control freak. I like to be in control of my body. And I was afraid that to be numb from the waist down would just be too much for me. I was also curious to experience the pain of childbirth. I wanted to kind of know how painful it got. I wanted to know if I could withstand the pain. Uh, I'm a lifelong cross-country runner, so I feel like I know pain. <laughs> I was curious about how it compared, uh, you know, to like when you're out there at mile 10 or I, I only run up to a half marathon, but like it's intense. Anyway, to me, unmedicated meant no epidural and no IV. However, I was okay with the idea of inhaling laughing gas, which is something that our hospital offered. I thought it could kind of be fun. And uh, it actually, I did use it, but it turned out to be way harder than expected because you're in the throes of so much pain. And in order to, for laughing gas to work, you have to take these long, slow inhales in. But it did really help me to like actually do that and cleared enough mental space to help shift some of the overwhelm of the pain during transition so I could just really focus. So on Sunday, January 23rd, I lost my mucus plug. And then I had like small consistent contractions every 15 minutes all night, Sunday night. My husband and I thought for sure we were going into the hospital on Monday because like the contractions were enough to keep me up. Like I couldn't sleep at all on Sunday night. But in the morning, the contraction stopped and my water never broke. So I continued to just like on Monday, I, I went to work. Well, I will I, on Monday, I like logged into work online because I Luna came early. I, and so I was working right up to my due date. So on Monday, I just like quickly 
you know, told everybody and closed out all my stuff at work. Fortunately, on Monday, things stayed pretty calm and quiet. And I was actually able to get a good night's sleep Monday night. I didn't have contractions at all on Monday night. So contractions finally started to pick back up on Tuesday afternoon. And at 6 p.m., I could tell like they were getting closer and closer together. And so I jumped into the shower knowing we need to get to the hospital soon. I told my husband to eat. So like he had a quick dinner so that he wouldn't be hungry later in the evening. And um, we continued to labor at home until around 730 when we called my doula and she could just hear how labored my breathing was. You know, I was really um kind of moaning through each contraction. And they were about three minutes apart at this point. And so she told us that we should really probably head to the hospital and that she'd meet us there. So we got there at 8 p.m. And in order to admit me, they had to check me. And um, when they checked me, I was already eight centimeters dilated. So, you know, they got me right into a room. And just two hours later, at 10 p.m., our beautiful baby girl, Luna Ray, was born. Of course, there's a lot to those two hours and that story. Um, but I want to jump to the breastfeeding part. So when uh, Luna was born, they rested her on my chest. And then after a while, my doula tried to help me get Luna to latch. But it was so hard. It did not go well. And it was pretty painful. Like, you know, she's like clamping on. I don't really realize that that's not what should be happening. It also just felt like she wasn't getting anything out. Um, My boobs were not engorged at all. Like, you know, everyone talks about how their boobs get bigger in pregnancy. And I already have tiny like triple A boobs, boob cups. So that was the one thing about pregnancy that I was really looking forward to is like maybe a little bit bigger boob. full A or maybe even a B. And that never really happened to me. Nope. No, I needed a wider bra band. I think I went from like a 34 to a 38 or maybe a 40. But um, I did not need a bigger cup size. (laughs) That never changed. So uh, and then of course, you know, as we all as I know now, I didn't really quite realize then but um, your milk has to like come in. So it hadn't come in yet. So, of course, my boobs were not engorged. And um, I was just really worried that Luna wasn't getting any of the colostrum that the midwife had told me about. Uh, And then, of course, as I mentioned, it was so painful, which was also a bit of a surprise because, and I apologize if this is TMI, but my boobs aren't as sensitive in general, that you know, I think most people's boobs are. You know, it is supposed to be an erotic zone, but for me, it's really not. And since they didn't grow much during pregnancy, they didn't hurt a lot either. But after letting Luna <laughs> go to town on my nipples for after birth, I was in a lot of pain. And it just felt like something was wrong, but I was really afraid to say something. I was like, oh, we'll just, we'll just figure this out. You know, we'll just figure this out. So I kept trying, you know, kind of on and off all through that first night. And then when the lactation consultant came in the next day, she didn't seem concerned. Um, She tried to help me with the latch, but just kind of told me that like, I'd get it with time. And it wasn't very helpful. 
Um, I also was kind of really hoping that she'd just like read the expression in my face and know that I needed more help than I was letting on that I needed. But of course she didn't. Like that's not really her job. I need to be able to speak up for myself. And I just kind of lucked out or, you know, I took advantage of the fact that in those first 24 hours, the baby wants to sleep a lot uh, because they've just been born and they're exhausted. And so I allowed myself to be lulled into a false sense of security that everything was going to be okay. Since I had an unmedicated birth and Luna was healthy, we were discharged at 5 p.m. that next day. So we spent less than 24 hours in the hospital, which was pretty sweet. But that first night at home, the shit hit the fan. So bad, so bad. Luna was just inconsolable. She was irritated and fussy. And all she wanted to do was be on my boob. Like she just used my boob as a human pacifier. Anytime I tried to put her down, she wailed. I was expecting her to like fill up on breast milk and pass out. But it didn't matter how long she sucked my boob, she never seemed to fill up. Also, she started making these like dry smacking sounds. And just every time she latched, it was just more and more painful to have her on my boob. And I was getting more worried that she wasn't getting any milk and that she was getting dehydrated. Um, It was really terrifying. So at like 4 a.m., I decided to wake up my husband. He was great. We called the lactation emergency hotline, which, you know, I'm really grateful that the hospital offered. And the person who answered the phone, we got in touch with a nurse and they set us up with a lactation consultant appointment for that same day, you know, later in the morning. And they suggested that I try to hand express or pump and that we could like you know, use a spoon to put it into Luna's mouth, or we could bottle feed Luna the colostrum. She also told us we could get the pre-made formula at our local CVS or grocery store as soon as it opened. And I was just so illiterate at the time about nursing that I didn't even know that you're not supposed to give infants the dry mix formula. Like, you know, we had dry mix formula on hand, and I thought like, that covered us. But no, they're supposed to get this pre-made stuff that we had none of the pre-made stuff, of course, in the house. I had no idea about it. So of course, we're also Googling all of our closest pharmacies and grocery stores. But like we live in Berkeley, California, a city of 120,000 people, of course, like right outside of San Francisco and near Oakland and all of these other major cities. And there were no nearby 24-hour marts. Like nothing was open. So while we waited for the stores to open, I tried to hand express, but I couldn't get out more than like a drop or two. So like we fed her that from like a teaspoon, but it just didn't feel like enough. Um, I even had my husband try to hand express my boob and he couldn't get anything either. So then I got the pump out, which meant taking the pump out of the box. Oops. Yep. And setting it up for the first time. (laughs) I hadn't done any of the preliminary setup because I didn't really know that I needed to, first of all. Like, I didn't realize, like, that there was a whole operation to setting up a breast pump. And, you know, I had just kind of blindly hoped that, like, breastfeeding would work and we wouldn't need to use the pump until, like, I needed to go back to work. Mm -hmm, That was not the best. (laughs) 
So I'm trying to put a brand new pump together with a fussy baby in our like panic of like our child is dehydrated and I've been up all night. It was not fun. You're also like, who knew, supposed to sanitize all the parts before you use it? Oh my gosh. It was quite the ordeal. Not fun. Not fun for either my husband or I, but we did get through it. Also, here's another fun fact. Um, <laughs> breast pumps don't come with pumping bras. I don't know why this is not just in the package. Um, I mean, I understand we're all different sizes, but like you should be able to select the bra size that you want in the package with your with your pump because what? What the fuck? <laughs> so even though I'd seen pictures of women like using pumping bras to to um, keep their pumps on their boobs, I didn't have one. I didn't realize I didn't have one. <laughs> until that moment. So <clears throat> my husband and I have like the funniest picture of me holding these two pumps to my boobs, trying to, you know, keep the suction just right. Um, because of course I also like, I thought I had to pump both at the same time. So it didn't ever occur to me that I could try just pumping one and then the other. Anyway, yes, such a newbie at all of this. It was quite comedic. Um, but I did it for about five minutes. So like after five minutes of pumping and watching my nipple get pulled away from my body and then retract and no milk came out, I was so disheartened. I, I just gave up. I, I was so frustrated and disappointed and didn't know what to do. And I also, of course, didn't realize that pumping sessions usually last like 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes. And uh, that five minutes was not enough. <laughs> so, you know, there's that too. The other thing I didn't factor in is that I was a new mom, which means that the like the letdown hadn't happened. And that I was also trying to pump out colostrum, which is thicker and like that it would just take longer. At that moment, you know, I was just I was just feeling so frustrated and scared and, you know, hurt and feeling a little bit like a bad mom that I couldn't figure out how to feed my daughter. Fortunately, the stores opened, I think at like 8 a.m., and my husband was able to get some infant formula, and Luna did fine with the bottle and drinking the formula. She sucked it down. <sighs> and I watched this and just became like, like this like hole opened up in my chest, and I, I just felt like, oh, we are never going to get back to breastfeeding. And all the horror stories I'd heard that once you switched to the bottle, it was over, like they just really just ran around in my head. I was also afraid that the lactation consultant we were about to see would be about as helpful as the one that I saw in the hospital. Um, so meaning no help. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I'll share how good or not good my lactation specialist appointment went. Did you know that three days after giving birth, 92% of new mothers were surveyed to say that they were having problems breastfeeding? Yes, that's correct. 92%. It was a survey done by UC Davis Medical Center in California, where almost all of the women surveyed before birth said they intended to breastfeed. So if it's a struggle for you, you are not alone. 44% of those women also said that pain was the problem. And 40% said that they weren't producing enough milk. 
You deserve to have an easier, pain-free breastfeeding experience. Get your hands on my 10 game-changing breastfeeding and pumping tips free at mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips. I want you to feel victorious. Fortunately, the lactation consultant I saw was amazing. Like, uh, amazing. I am just in such gratitude for her. She immediately was so nice and very engaging. She also looked at me like she really saw me. Um, You know, from the moment Luna was born, I definitely felt more like the afterthought. Um, You know, Luna was born at 10 p.m. And by the time we got set up in the room that we were spending the night in, the nurse who came to look after me you know, it turns out like they've got it set up as like two nurses. So one's there for me and the other one's there for Luna. And the nurse who was there for me was just very abrupt and did not believe me. I think at one point she asked me how much pain my nether regions were feeling. And I think I told her a six just to kind of see like what drug options she'd offer me. And she didn't believe me. She like just flat out said, like, I had to tell her twice. And even then she just did not believe me. It was so frustrating. Um, (laughs) Anyway, everyone else who came in the room, you know, also just focused on the baby, which is understandable. You know, like Luna's the one we need to make sure stays alive. And I was fine. I was, yeah, for all intents and purposes, I was totally healthy and very fine. Um, You know, the baby, of course, is most important. But when I met our local lactation consultant, her name is Chris, and realized that like she genuinely cared about me, tears just started like watering down my face. Like I just started crying, but like just in that like very weepy way of just like, oh my gosh, I feel so seen and so held and understood. Um, I told her that I didn't know what was going on or what I was doing wrong, but that Luna was leaving marks on my boobs around the outside of the areola. I told her that I didn't know what I was doing wrong, but Luna was leaving marks on my boobs, um, particularly around the outside of my areola where Luna was clamping down. I had these deep purple lines and um, they kind of reminded me of like little eyebrows going around my areola. <laughs> if Nibble could have purple eyebrows. Chris asked me to show her and she took one look at these deep purple lines and was like, oh, hun, these are bruises. You know, she was just like, it's only been two days. This looks like it hurts so much. You must have nerves of steel. And before we work on improving your baby's latch, we need you to heal. And I just like took the biggest sigh of relief that like I wasn't weak, that I wasn't a failure, that this was not the way breastfeeding was supposed to go and I wasn't supposed to have these bruises. And then Chris looked inside Luna's mouth and said, oh, Luna has a tongue tie, which is preventing her from latching correctly, which my husband and I had a vague idea of what that was. So Chris explained to us that it's a condition present at birth that restricts the tongue's range of motion, that there's a problem with the, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but the lingual 
frenolium, <laughs> something like that. Frenolium. Yeah. Anyway, it's the band of tissue that connects the bottom of the tongue to the to the um, bottom of the mouth. And if it's too thick, or a lot of times there's like an extra band that's uh, towards the tip of the tongue that tethers the tongue to the floor of your mouth and it reduces the tongue's range of motion and you know it impedes her ability to suck. I've since learned that there's a fair amount of controversy over tongue ties. My understanding is that in recent years um, it's been more and more broadly diagnosed and I trust all you mamas and partners out there to make the decision that's best for you and your family in our situation, Luna couldn't suck at all. She was literally clamping down on my breast with her gums and trying to force the milk out, <laughs> which is just kind of funny because that determination is such a, it's just in her character. I don't know. Maybe it's just in all toddlers, but I still see that determination as one of her main character <laughs> character traits. So with that news, we went home to discuss the best way to handle it. Uh, there were a couple options presented to us. We could do it at the doctor's office that same week, but they'd snip it, like basically with super sharp scissors. Um, and then we'd also been told that a dentist office could do it and that the dentist would would use a laser. Um, so we were also really considering that option. And that day I had set, I had like previously set myself up to have a Cairo appointment, um, just to make sure that like post, well, at the time I was totally assuming that I would go late, that I wouldn't have Luna until well after her due date. And so I had scheduled a Cairo appointment thinking like this will help get Luna out, but, uh, <laughs> she had already come. So anyway, I kept the appointment and, uh, unfortunately like the main chiropractor, woman I really loved, she was on vacation. And so this other chiropractor was stepping in and I made kind of the mistake of telling her because I, you know, I tell my main chiropractor a lot of like a lot about what's going on. And she will often give like some recommendations if she has them, but um, is very open to however people want to handle things. And this woman, this backup chiropractor was so upset. She was just so mad at me for the, this idea that I'd get the tongue tie fixed. You know, she told me that like I should bring the baby in and she'd like teach me all these techniques and that like I shouldn't do it, which was really hard because I wanted to just like pull up my shirt and be like, do you see these bruises? <laughs> you know, anyway, I shouldn't have mentioned it. I was hoping I was really just hoping to get a dental recommendation from her. Instead, she offered me help with breastfeeding techniques. It was miserable. Anyway, we called our dentist thinking that a laser would be less painful, but it was going to be another week and a half before they could see it. And I was just afraid that we'd lose all chance of breastfeeding if we had to wait another week and a half to get started. Of course, little did I know what was in store for Luna and myself. But anyway, we opted for the doctor's office and they snipped it and then sued, um, what they do is they snip it and then they soothe the baby with formula, which um, apparently, you know, like the sugar in formula acts as a natural high. Um, and so, you know, it helps soothe the baby right after. And, um, 
you know, we're like, all right, here we go. And my husband and I were just nervous wrecks. But the pediatrician brought Luna back after the procedure and said that she didn't cry at all. You know, I suppose she could have lied to us, but like at the very least when she brought Luna back, which was just like a few minutes later, Luna wasn't crying and uh, she seemed very content just like hand it back to me. So at this point, Luna was born on Tuesday night. We went home Wednesday afternoon, struggled through Wednesday night, saw the lactation consultant on Thursday, and had Luna's procedure done on Friday. As soon as we saw the lactation consultant on Thursday, um, I switched to pumping. And she told me that the pump would work. I just had to try it long enough. So I ordered a pumping bra on Amazon and started pumping every two to three hours. And at first, I really liked it. Mostly, I think, because it worked. The milk came out and it wasn't excruciatingly painful. You know, in comparison, like, you know, pumping is not pleasant, but um, it wasn't giving me these deep eyebrow size bruises on my on my areola so that was really nice and I am a type a perfectionist so like it was a set schedule which I loved um it also allowed my husband to bottle feed Luna which he absolutely loved doing you know he was very excited to get to participate in feeding Luna and of course you know all of our family started visiting family and friends and so you know, they just like fell over themselves to feed Luna and were so excited that, you know, we were bottle feeding to feed her. Like there was, I was worried that they'd be judgy and instead they were just thrilled to get the chance to, to feed her. And of course my boobs were healing. So it seemed like a, a win all around this breastfeed, this pumping thing. Then when we went back to the follow-up appointment with Chris, the lactation consultant, and you know, Luna, of course, had her newly minted tongue and my boobs were healed. She then, Chris, tried to teach us uh, some latching techniques. First, Chris introduced me to a game-changing pillow, at least for me, a breastfeeding pillow called My Breast Friend. It was a lifesaver. Um, I really fell in love with the Breast Friend pillow and used it until Luna outgrew it, like many months later. Even even when we weren't breastfeeding, like having her on it to bottle feed was also incredibly helpful. It's less of a pillow and more of like a flat, sturdy piece of foam that you strap around your body and it will hold the pillow against your body at whatever height you need. So even with the baby on it, like it it really keeps its shape and doesn't, um, doesn't bend. There were many times where I'd use that foam a like platform as almost a third arm. Like I could prop it up on a table or a counter. So it was like slightly leaning towards my chest. And then I wasn't afraid that Luna would roll off and it would like kind of hold her in place. And it would in effect like free both of my arms or at least one of my arms, like when I was bottle feeding her with it, which allowed me to pour myself a glass of water or do some typing on the computer. <laughs> things I probably shouldn't admit that I was doing while breastfeeding or not really breastfeeding at this point, like bottle feeding, but oh man. Anyway, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. Get at, get yourself a breast friend pillow. I think it was also particularly helpful to me because I have such small boobs that like I really have had to hold Luna up high to like get her get her close to them. But anyway, I digress. Chris then tried to teach me how to hand express 
She said it would help with getting Luna to latch if my milk was like already flowing by the time I tried to breastfeed with her. But I was still expressing mostly colostrum and I couldn't get out more than a drop or two. And it was really frustrating. Chris was really sweet about it. But then she asked if she could touch my boobs and try, try to hand express to like show me that more could come out. And I said yes. And that was also a total game changer. Like I realized that I was pretty much hand expressing all wrong and that there was a lot more that I could do to get the milk out and like just even be more manipulative with my boob. Um, It's hard to explain, but like she just really grabbed on there and did it. And I didn't even realize I could touch myself that way. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that sounds weird. And then, you know, I watch her and she's getting like a stream of milk to come out of my boob. So I'm realizing like, oh, I can actually get a lot more out. So then I went home and I just watched a lot of YouTube videos of women hand expressing. And that really helped because then, of course, I could also practice on my own boob and milk was coming out so I could immediately see whether what I was doing was correct or not. Unlike before when I was just pregnant, Chris then tried to get Luna to latch. It was hard, but it mostly it did work. It worked with Chris. So um, it worked really well when Chris guided Luna's mouth onto my boob. She got on, she latched, she drank. It wasn't painful. Um, And we did that enough that like Chris did sort of the the weighing test where she weighed Luna at the beginning of the appointment and at the end and Luna had gained a couple of ounces. So she seemed to be getting milk out, which was great, but I couldn't bring Chris home with me. So I knew that this would be a longer journey. And then Chris also helped us get signed up for physical therapy. So apparently when babies are in the uterus, they practice sucking all the time, like especially when they start to suck on their thumbs. But since Luna had a tongue tie, she had been practicing all wrong because her tongue didn't form the the right shape. So the physical therapist was going to be able to help give Luna tongue exercises to help her retrain her tongue and also just like improve her the general strength of her tongue which would help with her latch so you know and then she just said be patient with trying at home and set up another follow-up appointment (sighs) patience is an understatement it was so hard without chris there i couldn't get luna to latch like it was just it didn't work very well at all my husband tried to help me based on what he remembered from our appointments with chris but then I felt very claustrophobic and anxious. You know, he's like literally kind of over my shoulder trying to help. And, you know, I know he was just trying to help him be the best dad possible, but I it just it just grated on me. You know, there's nothing like a man trying to teach you how to use your own breasts to feed a baby. Just makes my teeth grind a little bit, you know. <laughs> Don't mansplain the boobs to me. So... Uh, I continued to pump and I tried putting her on the boob most mornings, but she cried. Uh, she cried a lot and she wouldn't take it. And so um, so I kept pumping. So then, of course, with the pumping, I got a clogged duct and I started to develop mastitis. You know, my breast got red and inflamed. It was irritated, but then I became really afraid. And I I got a little irrational. And like in my head, for whatever reason, I was telling myself that I was worried that with this inflammation that like it could get passed to Luna, which is totally false. But 
you know, I'm in this delusioned haze of only getting a couple of hours of sleep here and there. And I was just so worried about passing the infection to her. So I really, at that point, I stopped even trying to breastfeed. Fortunately, I emailed Chris and she told me it wouldn't happen. She also recommended sunflower lethacin, lethacin, and to take a lot of it. Like it says to only take two pills once or twice a day. And she was like, to get this clogged duct out, take it every time you pump. And that totally worked. I was taking like a full dose four or five times a day, but I was just so grateful for the relief. So meanwhile, I'm trying to keep up production to pump enough to feed Luna. And I am having a really hard time. In fact, I, I really can't keep up. We're having to supplement with a few ounces of the pre-made infant formula basically every day. And that just feels, it just I just feel so defeated by that. Like I'm trying incredibly hard to feed my baby and I feel like I just can't. Um, I'm waking up every two to three hours to pump, which is also making me crazy. And... <laughs> Uh, the design of the pump, like connectors in the pump, just, oh, they're just terrible. Like generally terrible. They literally have holes in them. And we're trying to capture this liquid gold and there are holes in the connectors. Holes, holes, holes. I'm like, what? It, like it just, it feels like it's begging to be spilled from, you know? And I realize the holes are there to you know, to release the air that's also getting sucked into the bottle. But it feels like there's got to be some better design. Like, how is there not a way that we can let air out and keep the liquid in? It's literally liquid gold. Come on, come on, somebody please invent that. And I feel like it's not on all of them. Anyway, I will say that some connectors are better than others. So I quickly learned that I did have a least favorite the kind that caused me to have the most spills was the Medela Personal Fit Flex Connectors. Don't get them. They, and unfortunately, those are the ones that like came with my with my pump because, oh, my God, like I spilled so much milk two or three times before I threw them away. Literally, I'm taking them off after just pumping. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning and they tip over. They tip over. I think one of them tips over and a huge amount starts to leak on the floor. In fact, practically all of the milk is on the floor. I'm left with maybe a half an ounce and I just immediately start bawling. I have like a two-year-old tantrum right there in the middle of the night. I'm wailing. I'm stomping around. I'm screeching. Oh, the expression, don't cry over spilt milk, is dead to me. Let me just say, I freaking bawled. Another time, I was pumping and I dropped my iPhone. So I bent over to pick it up and milk starts pouring out of the hole in the medulla connector as I'm like still pumping because like the hole is in the worst place, like literally just bending over to pick up my phone. I'm spilt. Oh, I saw red. And I think after that, I threw them away because <laughs> I was like, this is no, we're not wasting this liquid gold. I'm sorry. So uh, yeah, that happened. So at this time, my friend Lily Kendall Wood, um, she's the Tony Robbins results coach. She happens to uh, mention the use of motilium. I'm terrible, as you've heard, at pronouncing things. It's spelled M-O-T-I-L-I-U-M, motilium, I think, to help stimulate her milk supply. And I'm just like, wait, what? Record scratch? Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> like there is a medication 
I can take to increase my milk supply. And it worked for her. And I'm like, why the heck hasn't my doctor or my lactation consultant told me about this? Or Luna's pediatrician? Like, what? And so then Lily shares that it comes from Australia and it's not FDA approved in the United States. So my doctor would never recommend it, but it is approved in Canada. And she shares this website where I can order it. Now, I will tell you it's not cheap and it takes forever to arrive. I did order it, um, but it took two months to arrive. And by then, I wasn't as desperate to use it, so I never did. But it would have been better to have ordered it during my third trimester. I wish I'd known about it. I wish I'd had the forethought to do it. And if I have a second kid, I probably will have it, you know, order it just so I have it on hand. But um, yeah, I like I just can't believe that it's uh, it's not available in the United States. So randomly, about the same time that I'm talking to Lily about motilium, I happened to catch up with a colleague of mine who lives in Canada. And I told her that I was struggling to produce enough milk. And she just casually says, oh, so are you going to take motilium? Um, I had to use it as well. Like, no big deal. Like, she just, you know, just throws it out there. I'm like, what? I don't know why it's not approved, but freaking A. The cynic in me wants to blame capitalism and how you can't make as much money on breastfeeding as you can on formula. And so why not just push women to formula when breastfeeding is hard? Like I just, but I digress. I feel like motilium is an option women should know about. And if you do want the link for more information, please um, DM me. Shoot me a message. Fortunately, after ordering Motilium and realizing that it was going to be weeks before, it will help me. So a couple of things happen. One, my lactation consultant, Chris, sends me a list of foods that sometimes have been shown to help. Um, more like antidotal data than anything else. And I try them all. The only one that works for me is quinoa. Oh my goodness. Like, and it really works. Um, I swap my normal lunch protein, which is usually like chicken or beans with quinoa. And I notice an immediate effect. Same day, I start producing an extra ounce, which is a game changer. Sometimes too. It felt huge. Now, I will say that quinoa is far more caloric than chicken or beans. I follow a program, a food program called Brightline Eating, So I weigh and measure my food because I'm kind of a food addict. Emotional eating is a struggle for me. And so um, four ounces of quinoa is 425 calories, whereas four ounces of chicken is only 275 calories. But I do think that it's more than just the extra 150 calories from quinoa that's that's making it work because I was eating a ton of food and like just increasing my caloric consumption was not getting the job done. So um, another big game changer for me came from again from my friend Lily. And she, you know, during this time, she keeps asking me if I'm using a hospital grade pump. I have no idea what she's talking about. I show her the one I got through insurance and she's like, that's not a hospital grade pump. So I ask my lactation consultant, Chris, about it. Find out what she says after this short break.
Did you know that 90% of mothers felt lonely after having children and 54% felt friendless after giving birth? This according to a recent UK survey of more than 2000 mothers. I can definitely relate. I had a hard time after my daughter was born, which is why I started my free private Facebook group for Moms Plus called More Milk Please, Strong Supportive Mamas. Come join us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash More Milk Please and find the connection and belonging you desire. Look forward to seeing you there. She says that I can actually rent a hospital-grade pump through my insurance at no extra charge. What? I'm like, um, where was this information when I first arrived? Anyway, these pumps run $2,000 on Amazon, so I'm very happy to fill out the paperwork and like basically get my prescription for my hospital-grade pump. Um, I do have to renew it every three months, but uh, done and done. And it works. It also makes a significant difference. I produce a little more milk with each pumping. So we're using less formula now. I think it's like we're using a few ounces a couple times a week, maybe. But I'm still kind of barely keeping up, right? Like if anything happens, um, we're still we're falling back on formula. And then suddenly I start experiencing this sharp pain while I'm pumping. And I try to ignore it. But when the pumping session is done, I realize that the phalange has cut my nipple. Now, remember, I'm a size A cup. So it turns out that I was using a phalange that was too big because it had sucked my nipple all the way down to where the phalange attached to the connector. And the friction there was cutting my nipple. So painful, like literally bleeding. Blood on my nipple. Not what you want. So again, (laughs) I learned the hard way that there are actually different size phalanges and they come in different shapes. You know, like the the suction cup around the boob, some are round, some are oval. I feel like the tube part, you know, that connects to the connector, some are wider and some are thinner. Uh, And it was just like a whole new world had opened up to me. And just like, you know, like my boobs are slightly different sizes so are my nipples. So, you know, one requires a 21 millimeter and the other one a 24 millimeter. Good times. Good times. Why isn't this like just, you know, come on. Again, like in those breast pump boxes that you get, there should be a measuring utensil or like, you know, like the all you need is a cloth measuring tape, but they also like have these plastic ones where you can like kind of just insert your nipple to see what the size is. Like, you should include this. Okay. So now Luna is five weeks old. I'm still like pretty much exclusively pumping. Yeah. Not pretty much. I am exclusively pumping. I keep, you know, Kate, I've, and I've reduced the number of times I'm trying to, to breastfeed because every time I try, it's a total failure and uh, just makes me feel like crap right out of the gate every morning. So I'm not doing it as often. So, okay. My parents fly in from New Hampshire to meet their granddaughter, and my attempts to get Luna to breastfeed all continue to fail. I've kind of resigned myself to exclusively pumping, even though I have no idea how I'm going to make it to three months, let alone six months when she can start having solids, or 12 months when we can start giving her cow's milk. Because 
what I used to enjoy about pumping, I now find miserable, like being tethered to that pump all the time. And it's just so defeating to be barely pumping enough to like keep on top of what's going on. And it's exhausting to like pump and then feed her. And yeah, it's just a lot. And like, you can't pump and hold the baby at the same time. I tried it a couple times and that also resulted in me spilling milk. So, you know, it limits what I can do. So every day I feel terrible and I'm doing something that no one should do, which is measuring my success by whether I'm producing enough milk for Luna. It's a horrible metric. I don't recommend it because I'm literally just setting myself up for failure basically every day. But I'm trying to get on with my life and just, you know, have it be that pumping is a part of it. So one night when my parents are visiting, I set myself up to pump while we're eating dinner. <laughs> you know, two hours comes at the at that moment, got to do it. Um, I cover my boobs and the phalange and the connectors and all the things, the bottles, with a nursing cover. And I think I'm being so thoughtful, right? No one can see it, you know, and everyone's nice about it. They don't say anything. And then I notice that my pant leg is wet. But I'm very confused about why. I think maybe like I've spilt some of my tea or some of my dinner on my leg. But then a few minutes later, my pant leg feels like more wet again, like really wet. And I pull up my nursing cover and realize that I never actually connected the second bottle to that second connector. And I have been pumping breast milk straight onto my pants during the entire meal. And no one noticed because I had that stupid nursing blanket over me, right? Oh my gosh. I flew into such a rage. I couldn't believe I'd forgotten to put the bottle on. I couldn't believe I'd wasted so much milk. I was just like so ready to give up on pumping right then and there. Like it was just so miserable. I couldn't. Why was I subjecting myself to this misery? Luna would be fine on formula. I was just so done. And truly, the only reason why I kept going is because my husband felt really strongly that we give Luna as much breast milk as possible. He he pushed me to keep going. And I will say in his defense, he like always honored and acknowledged that it was my body and um, that it was excruciatingly hard and looked absolutely miserable. And he did, you know, say like, he's not going to tell me what to do with my body, but that he really wanted me to keep trying if I was open to it. And the people pleaser in me couldn't stop. And of course, deep down, like I really wanted to keep trying. It was so miserable, but you know, I want, I, I wanted Luna to have the, the breast milk. Anyway, I don't blame anyone who stops. I should have stopped. Like it was just, it was sending me into depression and, and misery in a way that it's just, and no, no one should experience it during that first, those first few weeks with a baby. After my parents left, my husband uh, also started to go back to work. And suddenly, like it was just Luna and me at home. And um, being by myself, I felt way more comfortable trying to figure out the breastfeeding thing with her, 
we we'd also now had like six weeks of PT exercises under our belt and Luna's tongue control was improving. My friend Lily, the results coach who had urged me to get the hospital grade pump, also told me it was okay to let Luna cry during the process of like trying to get her latched onto the boob. She said that she'd try for like 15 to 20 minutes each day with her second until he finally latched and it took her like close to three months to get there. Meanwhile, I was well into my second month. So it really helped to hear this, um, especially because I was really only trying for like two to five minutes. Like as soon as Luna started bawling, trying to be on my boob, I kind of gave up. So this gave me the confidence to keep trying and try longer and recognize that like 15 to 20 minutes of trying is not is not a long time. Chris, the lactation consultant, also recently gave us a couple of other tips to try. One, she told us that with the bottle, we shouldn't go up in a nipple size. So like with bottles, um, there's like a a one flow, a two flow, a three flow, four flow, five flow. And basically it corresponds to how many holes are in the top of the nipple. And she told us to keep it really low number so that it would be hard work for Luna to get the milk out of the bottle, just as it's hard work to get milk out of a breast, especially in the beginning when like it takes a little while for the letdown to happen. So that way she wouldn't find bottle feeding easier than breastfeeding and and that there would be a chance that she'd transition back onto the boob. So I think we kept Luna at like a two flow nipple for a really long time. Anyway, Chris also taught me how to tube feed. You know, I was pumping, of course, I put some breast milk into a syringe and a feeding tube and then connected the syringe to my bra and taped the tube to my nipple. So it was like just at the same height as my as the end of my nipple. And I'd put that the little feeding tube into Luna's mouth when she latched. And, you know, then she'd be rewarded with milk right away instead of like having to suck a bunch to get milk out. It was hard, but we tried it a couple times and it did seem to help. And over the next few weeks, Luna and I found our rhythm. You know, being home alone with her really helped because I could it could just be us and I didn't have to worry about anyone else. Um, You know, that people pleaser in me was really struggling with other people around. So she started breastfeeding more and more. Like it would be like at first it was just in the morning and then she started breastfeeding more and more. And then finally she was fully on the boob. It was like such a hallelujah moment. Oh my goodness. I never thought we'd get there. Funnily enough, within a week of her latching and just being on the boob, she started refusing the bottle you know, because that happens. She wouldn't use it at all. Like the thing she'd been drinking from for the last six to seven weeks, eight weeks, she was like, no, I'm done with this. So then I had to wean her back onto the bottle. I could not believe I was doing that. It took another couple of weeks and she was willing to take both the boob and the bottle after that. Oh my goodness. It was, I was like, what is going on in my world? After the first three months, I wanted to also share that like I just stopped wearing any sort of nursing cover as soon as Luna could move her arms she could like physically express how much she hated them and 
also, it was, like, hard to make sure that she latched properly, you know, if I couldn't see her because I couldn't see her through the cover. And then when she started moving her arms, she always pulled them off or, like, away from her body. And I really just stopped caring if people saw my boobs. Like, <laughs> I just I just didn't care. Um, feeding my baby was far more important. And, of course, it was pretty jarring for my husband. Uh, he told me a couple of times, your boobs are out. Your boobs are out. <laughs> and I can't say that my response was very nice. I think I told him, like, so, <laughs> you know, what do you care? I'm beating. Don't tell me that. Um, he stopped saying anything after that and came to understand it really shouldn't be a problem. You know, it's a natural thing we're doing. Men are allowed to walk around without their shirts on. It's kind of ridiculous that women can't. And especially since, like, our boobs actually, you know, are functional and need to be out to be used, you know? Like, anyway, I will say that my husband is now a huge advocate for me. And he shared with me once that, like, he was hanging out with some of his guy friends and one of them was complaining about seeing a woman breastfeeding in the park and he told that guy to check himself. So I love that, you know, we can all change this one man at a time. Anyway, feeding Luna continued to be an adventure. Holding Luna to my chest, I developed terrible, terrible carpal tunnel. Um, most women get it while pregnant. I got it while breastfeeding. Fun times. Splints at night really helped with that. And side-lying breastfeeding, I hadn't been doing that position. But when I got the carpal tunnel, I started to do that because I could hold Luna against my chest without like having to hold her up and bend in my elbows and my wrists. And actually, it turned out that the best solution, the really best solution for me was having some deep, deep tissue massages, deep tissue massage. Um, it was painful AF, but it worked so well. You know, the masseuse was really able to get in there and just like I just had her work on my neck and my shoulders and my arms for like 90 minutes to break up the knots between being pregnant and giving birth, you know, and then trying to hold Luna all the time, like my neck and shoulders and just the stress of all of the things. I hold all my stress in my neck and shoulders and they had become so tight like just rocks in there and just being able to break all of that up really helped with the carpal tunnel it almost like completely went away after a few massages um, but I really needed like the deep tissue ones I did a couple just regular and didn't do the trick eventually too of course Luna got big enough that I didn't have to cradle her so much she could just sit on my lap that said as Luna got bigger she started to weigh more and <laughs> then I got mommy's wrist or mommy's thumb it's it was from picking Luna up under the armpits, like the, you know, the that like soft pad in between your pointer finger and your thumb, doing that motion, that sort of crab motion with my thumb and pointer finger. It hurt my wrist really bad, um, became incredibly painful to the point where like I couldn't write with my hands. So I, you know, YouTubed it and talked to my doctor and got splints to wear that I had to wear like all the time and learned new ways to pick up Luna, and then also got acupuncture right to the spot. And that that really improved it. Like it took a while. It took many sessions. I think like, I don't know, six or eight sessions before I really felt a big difference. Whereas like I had worn the splints for like two months and it still wasn't working. So we went back and got an acupuncture prescription and that changed it. I also want to mention that I was able to 
ultimately freeze extra breast milk, mostly because I still was pumping in the middle of the night so that there'd be some extra. But when we started thawing it out to use again, it smelled really bad. It seemed like it was spoiled. And my husband even threw some of it away, which like <laughs> I was so upset about. But um, so at that point, I quickly asked around and learned that it's actually a pretty typical condition. And it doesn't mean the milk is bad. Like I really want to emphasize that. Don't throw your milk away. Basically, it gets that way because of high lipase levels in the breast milk. This lipase enzyme continues to break down um, the fat in your breast milk, even after it's been frozen. And for whatever reason, when that happens, it leads to it smelling sour. But it's not bad for baby. I will say, like, for Luna, she didn't like it and so often refused it, which I, you know, I can understand then why my husband was just throwing it away because she wasn't drinking it. But then I started to scald my breast milk before freezing it. Doesn't really work after you freeze it, but scalding it before you freeze it deactivates future lipase activity. Like it basically stops the lipase from breaking down the milk. And then when you thaw it out after freezing it for many months, it doesn't smell bad. So scalded milk is milk that's heated to a temperature of 180 degrees Fahrenheit for at least a minute and then cooled before freezing. And milk just as an FYI, milk boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So scalding, it's not boiling the milk. It's like right beforehand. We used a, you know, like a hot water kettle. And I was just so frustrated that I didn't know that again prior to starting because uh, I then just had to start, you know, after I'd already frozen a bunch of milk, knowing that like it was going to smell bad. Fun times. So, you know, I have many stories like that, but I think we are well over time at this point. So now my daughter is 18 months old and we're still breastfeeding, mostly at night and first thing in the morning. And now I'm starting to have the opposite problem of people wanting me to wean, but I don't feel the need to. It brings Luna a lot of joy and comfort and it's really nice quality time together. Overall, feeding my baby was the hardest journey ever. It was just such a challenging adventure that I was not expecting. I feel like it tested me way more than being pregnant or giving birth. I am so grateful to my friend Lily for being such a huge support and a fountain of wisdom. One thing I really appreciated was that she didn't wait for me to ask to help she just started telling me like stories about her own experiences and the challenges and the successes. And she just started sharing tips and recommendations. She'd even send me like these short little how-to videos. At one point, she shipped me a box full of amazing breastfeeding supplies, all the pumping stuff. And she is a huge part of the reason why I started this podcast, because I just feel like we need to hear other women's stories and to know we're not alone. And that is like the biggest thing she offered me during that time. My lactation consultant was another incredible person in my life during that time. She too made me feel seen and heard and understood. I definitely recommend setting up an appointment with a lactation consultant and email her and follow up and do all the things like they are priceless. And I really do also appreciate my partner, my husband, for being with me through all of the ups and downs of the past 18 months. Like there are so many times that I've just been on the floor bawling and he's been there for me and it's been such a ride. I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. And so if there were only a few things to take away from my story, I hope it's that you 
you know, ask your friends to tell you their baby feeding stories and to keep sending you ideas. It was so hard for me to ask for help. And it was so nice that they just did it unsolicited. You know, I hope that you also take away that, like, don't believe in the should do's. You know, society wanted me to cover up when I was breastfeeding, and that's total BS. Feeding my baby the way that it works for me and my baby is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what that looks like. I'm not hurting anyone by having my boobs out. In fact, I'm helping the most important being in my life, my daughter. So ignore that crap. And third, ignore what society says are set limitations. Like society told me that once Luna took the bottle, she'd never breastfeed again. And that wasn't true. I also wouldn't have had the gumption to keep trying if my female friends and lactation consultant didn't tell me to keep trying. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a comment, and share with a fellow Mama Plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.